You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight we are recording live from Butter Run Saloon in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. From the beautiful upstairs. The beautiful upstairs space with this amazing ceiling. It's like a tin ceiling. This is like a proper... absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's like we're in the sugar house. Um, Almost incredible as the booth selection. (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy. Uh, Joined by Nick... Hello, Jason, and the portfolio specialist for William Grant and Sons in the state of Michigan, Adil Yamin. Hello. Yes. Yeah. Got the name right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Cool. It was like very, very impressive. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) First off, we have to thank Adil. Not only did he put up with a Facebook Live with me at six o'clock, six thirty ish. Then he did a tasting. Six forty-five slash seven eight o'clock. Then we he did a tasting of five different William Grant and Sons products. Now we are almost taking him away from his hockey game to be on our podcast. So thank you, sir. Thank you <laughs> for having me. Nick, I want to thank you. Tonight today is my birthday. Yes. Happy and birthday. You brought something fun along with you. What'd you bring? So uh near my house is uh bread, which is the offshoot of Chris Belly's. They make all of their their products. They actually make my favorite croissant in all of Metro Detroit, and I will stand by that. But I popped in one day while I was buying my croissant and said, could you make a scotch cake? And they're like, what's a scotch cake? And I'm like, I don't know. It's <laughs> cake with scotch in it. We're going to a you know a tasting, and my friend Joe's birthday's coming up. And they said, all right. So they made a cake with scotch. I have no idea what it tastes like, but mm. it's, it's adorably cute. Awesome. It's beautiful. See, and what's great is we have the live audience, and they are now asking, what does this cake taste like? Right. So we're going to slice it up, but should we sing first? Yeah. I, would, I think we should. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We're going to videotape this? Oh, yeah. Hold on. You got an official I, media person? I, I, I will blush. I don't like having no, happy no, no. birthday sung to me. I was, was going to bring out a ukulele. because Nobody really does. Button. No, okay. but, but it's cool. Ready? Shall we? Do it. Yep. All right. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Why don't they put the brown guys together? <laughs> Happy birthday, dear Joe. Happy birthday to you. Yay, blow out your candles. Yeah, good job. <laughs> All right. Ah. There we go. <laughs> All right, here we go. You've done this before. Excellent job. I have. You've had a birthday or two. (laughs) How are we going to? Do it. Yeah, do it by the rosette. Let's do it like this? Yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. And then making him work on his birthday. I think we can make small pieces because we got a lot of people here. really good at this. Do we have a lot of pieces here? A lot of people here? Yeah, we got a lot of people. We got a studio audience of like 10 people. All right. This is the first time I've... uh, Oh, oh cutting, that's, a, that's a bad cut. Oh, that's was, a terrible that's cut. A terrible cut. Nope, nope, nope. Rotate, right. rotate, rotate. rotate. Let's you do that. Over. You there were we go. Good at this. All right, there we go. <laughs> that's like was. that's it. That's like forty-seven right. pieces. I don't, deal, know, I don't know how you, you got an odd number. That's how bad. All right, so portfolio specialist. What does that mean? Good question. I've that's had what, this for about. That's why we got it. Wait, I thought we weren't going to have any stumping questions. You can't answer? It's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, thank you for the cake. Of course. Um, no, um, actually, I just uh, 
got this role about five months ago. Um, it I basically means that I am the on-premise um, specialist, really. Uh, the person that really handles all the events, everything that relates to William Grant for the state of Michigan um, on the on-premise level. Um, I do handle some of the off-premise stuff, on-premise being restaurants, off-premise being liquor stores. So what, what, why, why, so where do those terms come from? What is it like on-premise versus off-premise? Like why, why is it restaurants, liquor, why is liquor store up? Cause you can't serve at a liquor store spe- specifically or is that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of different regulations. <clears throat> We're a control state as much as we are not really a control state. Cause I've just came back from Charlotte and North Carolina is a super control state. And they're a bunch of Nazis in comparison to us. What does that? What does control state mean? Um, the the state actually controls the flow of alcohol oh, okay. throughout the state. Got it. So, um, in North Carolina, you cannot have a bottle behind the bar without a sticker that shows that you've actually bought it from the state of Mich- or the state of North Carolina. Directly, what, yes. What, 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 Okay, so so you you've lost me. So that that means that the state sells every bottle of liquor. Yes, through a distributor or through there is like someone that works for the state that sell that's a, a liquor rep for the state of North both. Carolina. Really? Yes. So when you go to North Carolina, you have to be certified through the state of North Carolina to sell liquor. Yes. Okay. So well, what, technically, same here. Okay, but we're not as strict as North Carolina. So like. When you go to North Carolina, there's bars in North Carolina that have every single bottle on the back bar has a sticker that is a state stamp that's a tax stamp, technically. And if you don't destroy the stamp after the bottle is done, you get fined $500. What? That's crazy. So if, and these guys, like, we're our liquor board. I mean, I don't know if I should say this on record, but. Where our liquor board is a little bit more different, but like their people are actually going through their garbage cans and like seeing that, hey, they didn't destroy this label, so we're gonna find them five hundred dollars per label that they didn't destroy, and the way they destroy them is they pull out their um, speed keys, which the uh, bottle openers, and they like tap on the bottle to destroy these like paper stamps. I don't understand. Why, why do they? Why do those need to be destroyed? Not- uh, so they don't transfer them from one oh, bottle to another. Oh, I see. So you can't just get like a incentive from a liquor supplier to be like, "Hey, we'll give you a free bottle if you bring this bottle in." Well, that free bottle isn't accounted for through the state. The state doesn't collect the taxes on it. Therefore, the state's not making any income on it. Therefore, the state's losing money on it. So, and how very is- strict system. How in is certain it, states. How is it different than what we do here in terms of... We have a liquor book, right? Yeah. So everything that's sold in the state of Michigan legally is sold through that liquor book. Has to be in that book. Yes. Has to be in that book. So um, the stamp is a step further from... like yes. A step beyond that? Yeah. So there is a book in North Carolina as well or something similar? Yeah. So from what I understand is what they do is they they have ABC stores. And the accounts, so like the sugar houses of the world, if they want to go, if they want liquor, they actually have to go to an ABC store and buy or purchase their liquor. And like the rep would actually have to put in their order to the ABC store and then they would have to go in and purchase that. And the ABC store actually stamps these bottles for a state stamp. So the stamp doesn't come from the state. It actually comes from the ABC stores. So there's two checks if there's any violation. So then someone like you um, managing a portfolio or, or um, you know, like having the knowledge of a full portfolio, yeah. do you still have the same type of position in North Carolina as you do in Michigan? So we have a, we have a person in North Carolina that actually does my exact position, sort of. Um, and... The nice thing is, like, to actually kind of see her struggles versus my struggles, which my struggles look like dog shit, <laughs> for the lack of better terms. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, she, 
you know, she has to actually put in like the sugar houses order, like the sugar houses of North Carolina, like their order in through um, a portal. And then it has to go through the state and then it has to go through like the ABC store and they have to go pick it up. Like it doesn't get delivered. It's, it's a process. And I was like, when, when I went to North Carolina, I was like, Oh, in January, February, it's like 75 degrees. I could totally move here and work here. And I was like, fuck, no, I cannot yeah. do that. <laughs> and I think that's what's great about traveling is every state you go to, different laws. for the most part, there's different rules. There's different um, processes. There's um, different spirits you can find. So when I hop into Chicago, when I hop into you know, Louisville, when I hop into Ohio, I can find different things and bring them back to Michigan because all of their quote-unquote books are different. So, and you have to have knowledge of that. Like th- that's something that I think is, um, yep, really interesting. Is like when you go to a different state or a different country. I was in Mexico. Um, it's to have knowledge of what's available. Oh yeah, is, is a whole another level of like understanding. And the worst is when you buy a bottle, you check it, you fly home with it, and you see it on the store. You're like, oh, I've failed as a whiskey person. Well, you know, you can just have that. Uh, the Michigan Liquor Control Commission. With yes. The price. That's what I do. And I that, that and that launched, what, three, my, four years uh, ago? Yeah, they have the online yeah. uh, uh, searchable price book, which is really an invaluable tool. So I've got the link to that uh, bookmarked on my phone. So whenever I'm yeah. out shopping, you just click it, and basically it's, uh, like I said, it's online, it's searchable. So if, I, if there's ever a question, and also because part of the control state, it's very transparent in Michigan, um, it gives you all the information about what um, any bar or um, retail location, what the what the state minimum is, and then also what they pay for that, the premise price. So all that is very transparent. So whenever I'm shopping, uh, well, in Michigan, but also out of Michigan to see if we have it in Michigan, if it's in the book. But when I'm at a store in Michigan, if I'm not sure, you can always open it up real quickly, search for it, and then you'll know um, – if the store is charging you or how much more they're charging you above what the actual state minimum is, because there's, um, you know, there's no law about how much they can charge. That's totally up to the retail spot, but there is a minimum that they can't go below, which is different in different States. Cause, um, we visited, um, I remember we went to Indianapolis. My dad lives in Indianapolis. Actually, we went there for the USBG, uh, Midwest regional conference. Yep. And, uh, one of the liquor stores, they were like, they were having a blowout sale <laughs> of, uh, I think it was Talisker 25. And it was like some ridiculous price. I'm like, how can that be on sale like that? Cause in Michigan, you never see that. Cause there's a, there's a floor on, you know, what, what state what minimum, a, a yeah. state minimum. Yep. You can't go below that unless the state, unless it's been delisted a certain amount of time. There's some rules, but by and large, in general, 99% of the time, there's no like sales that can be had. Um, underneath that state minimum. So what's cool though is if you go to Canada and you search through their quote unquote liquor book, they'll tell you what bottles are located in what stores. So Actually, Indianapolis. Uh, well, not all, but well, I won't say it wasn't at the state level, but one of those uh, Crown Crown Liquors is a big chain in Indiana, not just in Indianapolis. I mean, uh, from the freeways driving back to Michigan, they were on the exit ramps, but in the greater uh, Indianapolis area, there's a bunch of stores, and they were great because we went to the one downtown. Uh, Scott Poole had found a bottle of Habiki mm-hmm. 17, and there, so it wasn't statewide, okay. but there they had it um, organized so that they were like, oh well, our store. 30 minutes in a northern suburb has it um, and we were able to drive out there and grab some more so at least at the shout out to Crown Liquors for having their shit together and being able to direct you uh, to what their inventory was throughout the state yeah so let's talk a little bit about um, some of the stuff that uh, a deal has to bring to the table um, we just got through this great tasting uh, that was the first ever uh, whiskey club at Butter and Saloon yes and mm. um, you brought um, five amazing products uh, a couple that are a little harder to find. So uh, what did we just taste uh, recently? So what we had was uh, we started off with the uh, Glenfiddich IPA cask. Um, <clears throat> we moved on to the Telemardu rum, um, the rum cask. And then we then moved brand on to... Brand new. Yeah. So brand new. Um, not a lot available in the state, but a lot of accounts did get it. Um, then we moved on to the Belvini 14-year uh, Caribbean cask um, to the Glenfiddich... Uh, 14-year bourbon barrel reserve to the um, then uh, Hudson maple cask. Yeah. The rye. Um, what do you want to know about them? So the theme for your tasting today uh, was... Cask finish, finishing. Yeah, cask finishes. Yeah. Really cool. 
So, so I th- let, me, the- let me uh, let me ask the group. So, Whiskey Club, what do you guys think of the products we tried today? Outstanding. Thank you very much. Great. Drum roll. Great. Outstanding. <laughs> so everyone seemed to really like them. As what was the favorite? Through. Yeah. What was everyone's favorite? Uh, the 14-year-old bourbon yeah. cast. Don't fit it. Mixed bag. Wow. It's kind of all over the place. Yeah, all over yeah. the place. <laughs> so we got, we got one for the rum cast. We got one for the Belvini. We got one for the Glenfiddich bourbon. So, so it's, it's a little bit all over the place, yeah. which makes me very happy because... Um, Really, I guess like um, there's a little bit, of, a little bit of something for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, I, my favorite, in strangely, the, not the IPA though. Huh? The IPA is so interesting and unique. It is. Um, I love this IPA one. I love it. No, Does it is go? delicious. And the funny thing is, it's the the one that's depleted the most. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the nice thing about this one is, um, you know, the the Scotch whiskey market and. Uh, I think we've all discussed this before is the fact that um, they're getting away from like some of the age statements and some of the um, interesting, um, um, you know, the older age statements. But when we tried this with an older whiskey, um, it didn't work so well. And uh, we tried it with a, about a 17-year-old whiskey, and um, it didn't extract so much from the IPA barrels. But when we actually um, put it with like a younger whiskey, it actually extracted a lot more from the barrels. Mm. Um, and the process begins with like a really non-potable, which is like a non-drinkable, really hoppy IPA. Um, and we put it into the barrels that we already have, pull it out of the barrels after about 30 or so days. And then we put the whiskey back into the barrels. Um, the thing with the older whiskey is the fact that, um, it retains way too much. Um, it's too delicate. So it kind of gets flattened there's no long finish Mm -hmm. and in any whiskey production and you guys know like the most desirable thing is like having a long finish so the nice thing with this is it actually drinks like an irish whiskey um it's a little bit lighter um but it does have a longer finish and um definitely the characteristics that we talked about earlier today where it's got some vegetable vegetal notes and a little bit of hops aromas and all that stuff but definitely no overpowering taste. And I think that makes sense if you look at a younger product because most good IPAs, you want to drink fresh, fresh, fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at like Hopcat and like Catgrass and things like that. You know, you want to be drinking them at their peak of freshness. So maybe it doesn't make sense to have a super old whiskey in there. You want yeah. something a little newer and fresher. Also, I feel like old whiskeys, you know, they've had uh, time to sort of. <laughs> all that time in the barrel leads to something more harmonious on its own. Whereas, um, you know, some of the, we tasted granted the, like the Hudson great product, little young looking into the future, seeing what it might become. We've talked about how that, uh, relates to like some of the younger whiskeys in the region, younger whiskeys, in my opinion, like they haven't reached that level of harmony. They've got like flavors that are like darting out there that are kind of like, you know, still, um, still robust and, to me, that seems like something with something as um, <clears throat> powerful as like a hoppy uh, flavor to match up with. Certainly. Like having a younger whiskey enables those those things to become harmonious together versus like having something that's already aged and reached that like level of almost like prime yeah. time and then yeah. introducing something that's like kind of out in left field. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not a distiller, but I feel like that's one of the ways that they kind of like meld together. No, absolutely. You're correct. Um, the nice thing about like the... Glenfiddich Distilleries, because we have so much history, and the fact that um, we have all these barrels sitting in our warehouse, and we can experiment with with those. And the thing is, like a lot of people don't realize, like, and it's not just our distilleries. Any distillery that releases an age statement or a different barrel finish, they've actually experimented with so many different barrels to make sure, hey, which one tastes the best. And it's a very expensive, long process, and it's when people are like why is this so expensive and it's not that old or whatever but it's because it took a very long yeah. time to get that harmony also uh, into the, that the angel share when you think about that yeah so you are not only are you making this product but you are losing some to straight up evaporation yeah so therefore if you you know you were talking about these super old belvinis that you drank 
you know, by the time you get to 50 years old, you're losing, what, half or more of the barrel? Oh, damn. Oh, I walked in right you're... at the end of that conversation. I need to hear more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. How can I get on that plan? No, I mean, like, you, you get to a point where, um, you know, they're diminishing returns, right? So um, there's your... At 50 years, you're getting quarter. I mean, just chew on a piece of oak at that point. Yeah. Um, But the thing is, like, like, I like to spot the sweet spot, right? Like, for me, like, people are always talking about Pepe Winkle. And, you know, for me, the sweet spot, I've had all of them, but, like, the sweet spot is 15. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. I do like the 15 out of all of them. Um, Oh, well, or, you know, like, there's so many other ones that I'm like, okay, well, for my everyday, like, there's so many other ones. And it's the same thing in the, in the Scotch world where, you know, the Belvini 14, I th- the 14, the 21, the sweet spot that are readily available that you can go out and buy on the market. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we, we like to have a, we like to have a good time and like release some of the older statements and see what 30 years does. Cause like, I can't just go in and be like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put this barrel aside and be like, okay, in 30 years, it's going to taste like this. Well, that's not a thing. Nobody knows what it's going to taste like in 30 years. And whoever the master blender or master distiller is, there's a good chance that they're not going to be around after 30 years. So, you know, it's a gamble that they take. And a lot of times it works out and some of the times it doesn't. So simple as that. And like some of the times, like we've had expressions that have been released that, you know, we're not impressed with, but, you know, we're, we're always able to take credit for it. Yeah. So, the the Telemore Dew was kind of interesting because that was, you know, obviously there's things that are kind of have some unique characteristics. The IPA is cool, the bourbon barrel is cool, but then the Telemore Dew, you're actually bringing in the rum. Was that was that correct? No. So um, that was the other one. I'm getting a mixed the, up. Yep. Okay. No, that's Caribbean rum cast finish. Yeah. So right. um, we're actually bringing in the barrels for the Telemore Dew. Yep. I see. We're bringing in the rum for Caribbean cask. So that was the Belvini. So the Belvini, you were actually, to have this super controlled product, you're bringing in the rum and you're aging it in the barrels. So you're putting the rum in the barrels yeah. and then you're bringing in the scotch to... Yeah. So, yeah. well, I guess we'll start with the Belvini. Yeah. So the thing with Belvini is um, when we started the project of using the Caribbean rum cast, we were importing rum casks from Jamaica. But the thing is, you there's very little um, regulations on rum production. And you have barrels that might be two years, that might be five years, that might be 10 years, that might be 23 years. And to be able to blend those barrels into harmony, to have the same consistent product year after year, very difficult. Mm -hmm. So what we ended up doing is instead of bringing in the barrels, we started importing the rum. A little bit more expensive, but now we had a more consistent product. So what we did was take the rum, put it into our barrels, season our barrels with the rum that was already there, which, you know, Caribbean rum already goes into used American oak anyways. So um, it's not really changing it that much. And then um, now we can control the consistency of the product. So now it's the reason why Belvini 14-year-old Caribbean cask is one of the most beloved single malt whiskeys out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it in most cases, it outsells our 12-year. Um, and you talked about kind of that sweet spot of that 15-year-old. Yeah. What so happens that- to that rum? Oh, that's a good question. It's a very good question. Ooh. Um, <laughs> you saw the distiller. Uh-oh. What? We, we've talked about this before. It's not drain pour, so I mean, <laughs> something's got to happen to it, you know? I mean, <laughs> I'm like, where's that rum right now? <laughs> <laughs> I want to try some of that rum. It's in a warehouse right now. <laughs> I mean, something's got to be going on with it. No, it absolutely doesn't go to waste. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, it's somewhere. Um, I don't know what blend it goes into. I, I won't name any names, but... Um, International Man of Mystery. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, though. So, and then segue to Telmore Dew, yes. which is aged mm. in rum casks. So, yeah. it's aged in Demerara rum barrels. So, um, molasses. So, rum that's made with molasses. Um, darker rum, richer rum. Darker, richer. Sorry about that. Um, the um, the nice thing about uh, <clears throat> the Telmore Dew uh, rum cask is... You know, it really extracts the um, the flavors from the rum barrels, and you get the sweetness at the end. You get the tropical notes. Um, really rounds out the Irish whiskey, and we talked about it earlier, but mm. the Irish whiskey is matte. And the thing is, like, when you shoot an Irish whiskey, it's supposed to put hair on your chest. It's kind of like a really strong, you know, 
a flavorful whiskey, but at the same time, it's a little bit lighter on the back end. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about this is, like, you can actually sip this. Yeah. And the best thing about this is the fact that you can put it into any tiki cocktail, and it makes a killer daiquiri. Interesting. And one thing that I love about this is, like, <clears throat> just put it with, like, 27575, and it makes an, a really, really interesting daiquiri. So these are, uh, just to be clear, because we transitioned from Bel- Belvenie to Tullamore Yeah. These casks... There's not, there wasn't scotch in them first. Like these are still, they're going right from rum to Irish whiskey. Yeah. Are they, is that a similar process though? Are they bringing the rum in the barrels? No. Into tel- okay. So these are, so these are straight into the barrels. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, I didn't realize I hit the market. I was, it's a very interesting yeah, so, product. Like I said, we released this about three weeks ago. We had 160 barrels in the state of Michigan. And all of a sudden, I checked last Wait, night. Bottles? Barrels. barrels or not barrels, but cases. Uh, cases, cases sorry. Cases. Okay. Um, so I checked last night before we did a presentation this morning to be like, oh, where we are, um, and then we're at about fifteen cases left. That's great. Hmm. Yeah. Well, out of one hundred and sixty. Yeah. Um. So we've sold out. We've sold out most of it in about three and a half weeks. Yeah. Do you know how long the finish is in the in a barrels? It's, uh, four to six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing to sneeze at. So I, I want to know more about it's these. It's actually a lot longer than most. Usually it's about three to four months. Yeah. But this is a little bit longer, and that's why you get the richness and even the color sure. shows up on it. Yeah. So so these cask finishes, this is something that's fairly – like th- these all seem kind of like – I don't know what the word is. Like, a, is, it, is it a fad? Same category. Is it like – like so IPA – IPA cask, right? That's going after something that's pretty popular right now, like a Caribbean mm-hmm. rum cask. Are, are these things that – are these single expressions that will never happen again, or are these things – probably more be- like experimental, I would say. So the IPA cask is more experimental. The rum cask, as far as I know, it's going to stay for a while. That's, that's a more – I mean, that's a more traditional – rum cask is a more traditional in bourbons. Yeah. Uh, even like you said, Belvany. I mean, bourbon's got Angel's Envy um, – some other different ones, but yeah, IPA is very more experimental. Yeah, so we actually have a lot of stock on the IPA cask, um, so we're we're actually going to sell that for a while. Um, it's delicious. Um, we actually have another one, which is what released right next to IPA cask, which was the Project Twenty. I don't know if you guys got a chance to try it, but um, um, it's twenty ambassadors from all over the world that got to pick out six barrels each. Wow, and then. So they, they were led into the warehouses from um, all over the world to be like, okay, well, pick out six barrels. And then the next day they were like, okay, rank all the barrels that you picked out, one through six. And then for every single one that they had, got blended into a new bottle, which was the Project 20. And the bottle itself has a thumbprint of all of them combined. That's crazy. So there's 16 used bourbon barrels three Oloroso Sherry and one port. And I, don't quote me on this, but the only port barrel that was picked, which was probably the best barrel in the entire group, was a female. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that Project 20 is awesome. The Project 20 is super delicious. Okay. Yeah, I have it at home. Um, you if you, I have not. Yeah. If I love... Uh, uh, I do love Sherry Cast finished, um, particularly Pedro Menez and Oloroso. So, so if you ever go to um, Beal Bar... Mm. My new I've bottle. Heard of it. New <laughs> <laughs> you never go to the bar, Jason. I'll probably be here tomorrow. Yeah. So tell Rick that I told you. Yeah. And if he needs a record of this, <laughs> it's quickly becoming uh, my like uh, my uh, hipster coffee shop version of workspace oh, for yeah. me to go there. Uh, yeah, man. It's like well, I got Rick. a corner spot with a plug, and it's all I need. Wi Fi. Like, of course, you have a corner spot. You could stand well, behind. Uh, the that's not true. You don't. I don't. Have you been to the Beulah Bar? Yes, from four to six p.m. Opening day. It's I great, know, but like it's it is fantastic. But <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not a given. I mean, that's like a uh, people are. Getting it's a good location. I mean, that is in the heart of the city. Yeah. No, I like it. I mean, yeah. for me, I mean, I hit. The, I do the. Uh, well, Jason, if you're ever there, I, there's a Project you. Twenty that's sitting <laughs> on the bar. Awesome. And it's got my name on it. Duly noted. Literally. Duly noted. <laughs> um, you're right. more than welcome to drink it. <laughs> Duly noted. So we went through a couple of those, which we also went through on Facebook Live, and then we went to the Glenfiddich uh, Bourbon finish right yeah so the, one of my favorites yeah it's it's actually super delicious it's only available in the u.s market so 
um, when we take trips to Scotland or anyone from our company takes trips to Scotland, everyone in Scotland that works at the distillery, it's like, hey, can you bring us back some <laughs> hey, hey 14-year uh, bourbon barrel reserve? And we're like, why do you need that? You guys bottle it there and make it there. And they're like, well, it gets all shipped to the U.S., so it's mainly made for the U.S. market because of the bourbon craze in the U.S. market. Which is crazy because that happens at a lot of places, like a lot of the Japanese distillers. Yeah. They'll do things like that. So that's not a weird pro- process. No, no, not at all. Um, the nice thing is, like, we, um, you know, we took, we took the 14-year aged in bourbon barrels for about 14 years, then re-aged it in brand new charred American oak, which is the same process that any bourbon would mm-hmm. go through in the U.S., but it makes it super expensive when we import it. We take the barrels from the U.S., the American oak, import them to Scotland, which, you know, at the volume that we're doing right. this product throughout the U.S., like, it costs a lot of money. Um, and then we age those um, expressions into those barrels and then um, then basically bottle it as, you know, bourbon barrel reserve, which is, you know, 14 years in use American oak and then um, roughly four to six months in brand new charred American oak. Cool. And then the very last one we sipped on was the Hudson Hudson Valley maple cask. Yep. So that's out of New York. It's uh, American rye. Um, a little over two years. Uh, what we do with that one is um, we age the whiskey in the barrels. Then we pull the whiskey out of the barrels, ship it to a maple farm. Um, they put their maple syrup into those barrels and then what they do is once they pull the maple syrup out about after three months is they ship the barrels back and then we put the whiskey back into the barrel for about three to four months. So to look at kind of the, the Tullamore Dew situation is they probably take that maple syrup as like barrel aged and sell oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then you guys get the advantage of having that, that yeah. product. Well, we it's a win-win situation sure. on both ends, right? So the nice thing is um, to finish on that... Um, I mean, it does have a bit of a young taste, but at the same time, like very desirable finish. Yeah. Um, a little bit sweeter, a little bit more rounded um, for you know the product itself. But yeah, sweet the sweet not barrel a, aged maple syrup. So the the maple it's maple wood. It's no, not it's not maple wood. Quite maple wood. So okay. it's a it's because if you were to age anything in maple wood, you would lose all the product in about a month. Because the maple wood itself is very porous. So there's a reason why you actually in make oak barrels. In yeah. comparison to oak yeah. barrel. I was thinking uh, there was a Woodford had a product, one of their um, Master Select. It was a four wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And it was a blend of the maple, oak, um, something I can't remember. I, I think it was Staves okay. yeah, for that project. Interesting. Which is what Cleveland Whiskey does, too, yep. with other technological nonsense. Yeah. Because well, the the, yeah, the downside yeah. of maplewood is the fact that people have tried to age stuff in maplewood and try to make it like very um they've tried to like make it very tight grain uh with the um rings and all that stuff but it doesn't work because the wood itself is very porous sure yeah i have a quick question going back to the the japanese whiskey for a second we had gardner done from centauri in town Mm -hmm. uh, not that long ago and he was talking about just yeah really awesome experience um well he was talking about how because of the shortage of uh, some of the extra age Japanese whiskeys, like, and everybody in their company, if you work for Centauri, like, you cannot, you're not allowed to, like, drink. That's all fanatical. Though. You can't drink these whiskeys themselves as employees yeah. because it's got to be for the consumer. Is, and again, with the with bourbon experiencing a lot of the, like, moving of age statements and, like, you know, allocation shortages, does, do any of these products, like, are they going to be harder to find? Are they going to be, or not even these? Let's not even say these products, but like extra aged scotches in general for like the the brands that you work for. Yeah. So we or are you seeing that crunch? A little bit depends on what it is. So we have um, the the Winter Storm, which I don't know if you had a chance to try, but it was the Ice Wine Barrel Glenfiddich Twenty One. So. Which was the opposite of what we tried with the IPA cask, which we tried with a lower age statement um, because the ice wine barrels were super expensive. And we actually got those from Canada, uh, the Niagara Falls region, because they actually do a really good job with the ice wine. But um, the thing is, we're actually releasing a new... Um, we released one one round of them, and we only had 20 bottles for the whole state for the on-premise. Wow. Um, 
Dave actually, I think Dave yeah. still has one. We could probably get him to open one. <laughs> um, the winter storm. Yeah. Oh, it's it's super delicious. I'm more than happy to pay for it. But um, <laughs> um, I, I want to well, try that. We're, we're getting yeah. we're getting headshakes for no. So I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> um, I'd do it. I'll pay for it. But anyway, so we're actually getting a next batch, and which I think will be the sugar the, house guy one too. So. <laughs> Yeah, I know it did. Which will which will be the last batch of it. So in terms of like the scarcity, yes. So there's certain products that like you know once we actually get the last batch, which will be um, in May or June, um, that'll be it for that one, and we'll never come out with the winter storm again. Wow. Cool. So, all right. So we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back with uh, Shannon. We're back. <laughs> we heard your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast, and we are recording live from the Butter Run Saloon in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. Voted one of the 21 best whiskey bars in the country by Thrillist uh, this past year. Yeah. Um, we are with uh, Shannon Goodwin of the Butter Run and, uh, and also the Whiskey Experience, which is an event that's happening, Nick. 420, baby. 420. Yeah. At uh, Eastern Market. Correct. Shed 5. Shed five, yep, I'm excited. Um, and it's a pretty incredible event. Um, but before we talk about the whiskey experience, let's talk about the butter run first. So, the butter run. Uh, in my research, I learned that um, <laughs> you guys have about nine hundred uh, different bottles that you stock. Is that correct? Yes. That okay. Is correct. So, um, how in the hell do you stock nine hundred bottles <laughs> of anything? Well, um, my dad is a bit of a hoarder, so <laughs> he finds every single nook and cranny. His office is literally a little teeny tiny walkway to his computer, and the rest is bottles. So so you guys have a very intricate filing system? Yeah, I've, pretty much. Okay, so um, when someone sits down at the bar downstairs, are they given a, a Bible? Um, we do have a very large Bible that sits behind the bar, and anybody is allowed to take a look at it. But we also have um, pamphlets, I guess you could say, that we hand out to every customer that lists each and every um, bottle that we have. So when, when, I, when I see a list like um, 900 bottles, the first thing that comes to mind as an operator, uh, uh, a retail Smooth operator, operator. <laughs> is... Sorry. How the hell do you get your employees to 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 know a little bit of not a little bit of anything about each of the bottles? Um, or do you not? Well, we we have one employee, um, Georgie, who knows pretty much anything and everything. If you ask her, she's she's on our game. Everyone else, it's kind of like pulling David. Teeth. David, if he's behind the bar, yeah. yeah. And if my dad is yeah. around, um, he can definitely answer questions. And if he's in the mood, he'll invite you upstairs to <laughs> sample some bottles. But um, which is where we are right now? Yeah, yes. make friends. That's okay, all I have to say. And, yeah. and, and, and invite you upstairs isn't like it's not creepy at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's, oh it's, yeah, that did sound and, uh, that did sound awkward. And also, you walk up cement stairs, which may seem creepy too. Right, but not, I know. It's not. It's a very nice space. <laughs> and um, and there's there's a room here with bottles in it too it's like yes. yeah man like or he'll bring a bottle down i guess i should have said that <laughs> i should have said that <laughs> so um okay so you have uh 900 bottles um what else when someone comes to the butter run what else can they expect well um our menu has the story behind the the name which um is an old family tradition of my grandmother's or my great grand. Well, no, not my grandmother's. Okay. So my dad remembers being young and, um, I wish I remembered that feeling (laughs) around the holidays, especially Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, my grandma one year sent the guys to the bar, um, or I'm sorry, sent the guys to the store for butter. She was out of butter. And my um, grandpa rounded up all of the young men in the family and took him, took them with him. And they, to go buy butter. To, yes, yeah. to go buy butter. But instead, they went to the bar and hung out. And then after a long evening of fun and 
um, and drinking, they eventually stumbled home with the butter. <laughs> hence, it was, so it's the it was butter hence, run. Yes, thank saloon. you, Nick. Thank you. Oh. Omg. <laughs> A deal with uh, the hat trick right here. <laughs> taco so some Tuesday. tacos. Uh, yes. Taco Tuesday. So let's. Uh, it's not cake, but I would take it. So talk about the food. So I remember. I mean, yes, your, the your food, food is a big deal. Is amazing. Yeah, you have amazing food. You have amazing whiskey, and it's it's out in Saint Clair Shores, which is like, do you, do people make the trek? Yes. Is it all locals? Um, no, we actually get quite a few people. I'm here every weekend uh, on the floor, and we've. Gosh, a couple weeks ago, we had people from Grand Rapids who were excited and staying the night um, just to come and visit us. And we've had people from out of state. We've had people come down from the Upper Peninsula. I mean, there's... It's really right off the freeway. Really, right. in the scheme of things, like less than a mile off of 94. Yes. So even for travelers, like I come from the city, very easy, very accessible to get to. Yes. Um, which is fantastic. So yeah, great food, great whiskey. Um, now, segue, four or five years ago, you guys decided to put on a whiskey tasting. Joe's getting a massage. This is amazing. It's you guys, birthday. You guys decided to put on a whiskey tasting that was really this very elevated event. Yes. You said, hey, we're going to make this experience. We're going to call it the whiskey experience, and we're going to bring in all the best brands mm-hmm. from all over the place. So kind of give me some genesis on that. Well, it was my dad's brainchild and it it was founded or the idea came through um my dad founding this organization in my grandmother's name um and we call it the luella m harden foundation uh she was very kind and very generous and very well known in the community in st Clair shores was she the one sending people on butter runs yes aha there we go <laughs> well no actually it was my dad's grandmother okay got so it. It okay my great grandma but um the tradition continued mm-hmm. through luella so um, but no, and the, the idea was to, um, raise money for the Leukemia Society and, uh, for local college scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, and our big event was, um, going to be the whiskey experience, yeah. which my dad wanted to be, like you said, an elevated event. Um, very, very, um, sophisticated and educational evening where you can learn and taste, um, not really so much, uh, the crazy, events that you've seen in the past where everybody's kind of just stumbling around and it's a much more kind of like so the reason why i got excited about it and i full of disclosure i help with the marketing right is the it's a it's a much more elevated event it's a much more about the the learning and the history and right. the background and we're we're some of the whiskey events in detroit i'm not going to name names but it's really how much can you consume in one night right this one is much more what are the unique experiences you can have in one concentrated environment mm-hmm. and try these great stuff like what Adil brought us. So that's what got me excited about this place. When these events are planned, are, are they, um, are they, uh, is it necessary to go through the book as well? Or, or, mm-hmm. or can someone bring in some super rare bottle? And the reason I asked this, I went to a, um, event, uh, a few years ago, Belgian Beer Fest at um, Ashley's in Westland, mm-hmm. and they had these really incredibly rare bottles that they were pouring straight from. And I know for a fact that you can't buy them in the state of Michigan, but they had them as a one-off type yeah. of thing. And if you got their Cantillon, for example, wasn't available in Michigan at the time. Um, is that something that they can do at an event like this, or is that something that is kind of hush-hush-wink-wink type of thing? Jason might know better than me, but I mean, like, officially... You know, if it's not a paid thing, I think you can get away with it, but it, it's probably a gray area. Maybe a gray area. I mean, I will tell you one thing about that I really enjoyed about the whiskey experience when I went uh, last year. I mean, what you can get for the price of any of the whiskey events in Metro Detroit is exponentially greater than, I mean, granted, of yes, historically those like the Royal uh, the Royal like Farmer's Market or some of the ones that have been quote-unquote bro-fest or like shit shows or just want to get, you know, drunk. I mean, that's cool that as a place, but I think that um, even for me watching like how the spirits industry has evolved from the Sugar House and from our bars and restaurants at DOS, like bourbon is reaching, is about to reach like a critical mass like uh, craft beer has. I've got, I mean, I was in a fraternity in college, even Dearborn, and I've got, I can't tell you how many my fraternity brothers hit me up on the regular now, like, am I buying this bottle right? Like, are you doing this? Like, you know, yeah, when we were younger, we used to drink shitty, you know, gin or, uh, well, 
I, we drank cognac, which Hennessy, which we will continue to drink because it's a lifestyle. But that being said, like, no, it's like you know, people are growing up and they and like bourbon is reaching that point where it's like, wow, I can draw these really crit or whiskey in general, but particularly bourbon American whiskey, it's reaching this inflection point where it's really, um, you know, the mass audience, and so a lot of people are looking for the resource of. Like, how can I go and learn about this stuff? And so, um, you know, I went there last year. I was really surprised. Um, and, I'm, and I'm looking forward to this year because some of the products there you can get for the price. I mean, Angel's Empty Cast Strength, Lagavulin 16, Orphan Barrels, these ran, uh, you know, all these various Tullamore Dews. I mean, High West was there with their... Um, Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay before anybody. I mean, yeah. the list goes on and on. And like, I mean, at, in the Royal Oak Farmer's Market, the one, it's like... <clears throat> Jack Daniels. You pay like a VIP ticket. <laughs> the VIP ticket is, trust me, you're not really getting anything that's weird. So for, to be able to go and, and also like, um, for like the industry professionals that staff this event, um, it's the uh, best of the best. Yeah. Like yeah. you're, you know, particularly, yes, of course, the, the people that represent the brands, the people, the bartenders that they bring in or whoever to, you all know, the you can, all the brand yeah. ambassadors. So you can really, um, you know, a taste these, uh, really awesome products way, way better than um, some of these other ones and also be able to like shoot the shit and talk about them, you know, and that's, that's really the crucial thing. And so I think that, um, you know, for us, why we've spent so much time in our properties focusing on, um, you know, the bourbon, American whiskeys, buying our own single barrels, doing all this stuff is because like we can start to see that, that wave cresting of like reaching mass adoption of people who are just resonating with the idea of American whiskey as a spirit and want to know more about it. You know, it's really cool. It's really cool. So um, that's why I'm super excited about this event because I had a really amazing time. Yes, you can definitely expect um, very knowledgeable brand ambassadors um, and or bartenders who are there. And then also um, the booths, even the caliber of the booths that they bring and the setup is, is so incredibly nice. I think, it maybe was Glenn Fittich last year who had oh that whole backdrop the backdrop yep. and then there was um I can't remember the other brand who had the the model ships um in a in, in a backlit mm-hmm. um booth it was just amazing very very nice yeah so we uh, Shannon and I are working on some special surprises which uh, I can't divulge quite yet but look uh, soon we're um. We're gonna have some uh, some national news. We think that we might make. Full disclosure: I do not work on marketing for this event. I just went <laughs> as a consumer, and uh, you know, thought it was really good. And also, full disclosure: last year, I my ticket was uh, part of my package at work. But I would hundred uh, percent, which I've actually already got some friends who have bought tickets to come this year with me because I really believe that for the you know the consumer. The value. This is the most valuable yep. experience uh, that they'll have all year in terms of uh, you know the whiskey, pushing the whiskey or bourbon American whiskey uh, forward. We're not. We're also wanting to promote a few cocktails, special mm-hmm. cocktails at the event that maybe some ambassadors would like to bring. Um, so it's not just. Uh, we've had quite a few questions come through on social media. Is sure. it just whiskey? Um, I want to go, but my fiance, girlfriend, boyfriend, brother, sister doesn't drink whiskey and they want to come along. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be offering a few special cocktails as well. And we're also offering again this year, a designated driver um, ticket that allows you access to the buffet and um, a bottled water and the regular package that we hand out to people minus the snifter. um, And that is a lower ticket price as well. So. Sorry, just a, a deal again is bringing us random surprises again, <laughs> which is par for the course when you're hanging out with him. Like I said, kid's so, a good so kid. A kid is a good kid. Winter storm, which, oh. uh, yeah. So, so this is, um, nope. Oh. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pour um, Shannon's into mine because I'm I'm absolutely thrilled about this. Um, th- this is something that the I've only been time in Michigan in uh, almost March where we were excited about a winter storm. Now we're <laughs> trying to put winter storms behind us. One, one of twenty we're excited about this. One of twenty bottles in the state. Woo! So we we are. Um, wow. This is pretty incredible. Well, and, and, um, well happy birthday! Happy birthday! Uh, yes. <laughs> Look at that. Hashtag the brown guys. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. So, 
Somebody said they didn't hear a cord popping on the last. Uh, that's fantastic. Wow, that's great. Um, so, um, yeah, there's, again, a lot of things to talk about. Um, April 20th starts at 6? Um, 6 o'clock six is general, or I'm sorry, is VIP. Yep. So. I'm sorry, 5.30. 5.30. At okay, 5.30, yeah. Talk about the difference. Let's talk, yeah, talk yeah. about the difference and let's talk about, so we haven't said exact ticket prices yet, right? Right. Yep. So, um, this is an educational experience. Let's be very clear about that. So, what are the ticket prices? What's the, the VIP price versus the um, the general admission price? Um, the general admission uh, is fifty dollars. Okay. And for early bird, right now we're offering early bird advanced pricing, so it's fifty dollars for general admission okay. and um, seventy for VIP, I believe. Wow, Th- that's incredibly right reasonable. And just to be clear, I mean, when we say educational, I mean that's not like it's not. Not fun. It's not a seminar. It's we do it's offer great. seminars if you want to sure. participate. But. but I don't want to get into like the uh, uh, edutainment type of like nonsense push. Right. I, but at I, the I, this time, is like it's this a Friday is different night in though. The city, you're going to Easter Market and you're going to learn some really great stuff with some great people and some if people that yeah. care. Products. Right. Yeah. Definitely. If you're going to yeah. drink a 17 year old whiskey. You don't want to chug it, basically. Right. You know, you want to find out what is the story? What am I drinking? What's the background? And that's where this event kind of differs from just a generic kind of, you know, sip and taste event. Um, you know, the there sip are... Sip and chug event. Sip and chug, yeah. <laughs> there are brand ambassadors that have flown in specifically for this. There are seminars that you can sit in and learn more. I don't want it to seem, you know, like very scholarly, but it's definitely, it's more of an experience. You're filling in that background that you wouldn't necessarily get with a generic tasting. And, and, and also, th- this benefits the Luella, Luella M. Hardin Foundation, is that right? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about that foundation for a second. Okay. So what 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 is that moving um, towards? Again, my dad founded that, um, the organization in my grandmother's name. Um, he wanted to give back to the community, which, is, which was something that was very near and dear to her heart. Um, so we raise money directly for the Leukemia Society of America, and we also um, present uh, students within the community, mm-hmm. mainly at Lakeview. That's where we've presented um, our scholarships in the past. We'll go to their special graduation ceremony and present um, three or four students with sco- uh, scholarships. So money. Lakeview High School, just uh, off of is that Jefferson around just Lakeview's right St. across in um, St. Croix Shores here. Yep. Okay, <laughs> and you'll you'll give um, three to four students scholarships for college money towards scholarships. Money um, towards scholarships. Yeah. So okay. We've presented them. If you go to the Facebook page for Luella, you can uh, see some of the uh, ceremonies that we've been a part of and presenting the students with their checks. And what's crazy is Shannon and I know each other from way back in elementary school because both of our families were affected with leukemia. So we actually went to a summer camp that helped kids that had leukemia, and we met each other as the siblings yep. of uh, those kids. So we've known each other since, like, we're eight years old, eight years nine years old. Years old. yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Small world. So I hadn't actually seen her until I went to the first whiskey experience and was just like, what the hell are you doing? Here? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a brain trip right there. Yeah. And so how has the um how is the event this is this will be the third time? This will um, be the third? Yes, the okay. third event. So how has it evolved since the first one? Well, it's definitely gotten bigger. We've used social media um very We've pressed very hard on mm-hmm. social media for the last two events, um, and I every year in terms of attendance, it gets larger. Um, reach on Facebook uh, throughout the community. Um, we're still trying to grow the Luella M Harden Facebook page, um, and I'm I'm working on that every day. But I would say the event. Um, I, I wasn't able to go to last year's, uh, but I, I did go to the first two. And the, the difference in the first two, the, the difference in those two events was attendance and I would say just the, the, the feeling. I think being downtown is mm-hmm. better for the event. I think that, um, as you were saying, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. <laughs> Jason, sorry. <laughs> that, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful night in the city. Um, in 2016, it was a beautiful spring night. We had people, um, inside and outside of the shed just kind of enjoying the, the spirits and, and the city. And I think moving it downtown was a very good decision. And I'm, I'm very glad that we're going to stay downtown as well because the first year it was at, um, it was around here. It was Barrister Gardens. Yeah. 
And it just, I mean, while it was a very nice evening, it just didn't have that, that feel, that, that different magical feel. And then, and, yeah. and then we were going to do 2015, but my dad was diagnosed with cancer that year. So we kind of put it on the back burner and we did it in 2016 in, Eastern Market, and it was just a completely different feel for the night. So, what's funny is that 2015. So, I was lucky enough to attend that, and you could see the magic that was part of this event. I mean, again, brand ambassadors from around the world talking about products. That's when I first saw Shackleton Scotch that they had brought in and talked about it. I mean, super old products, and to see that same excitement and energy continue into Shed 5 in Eastern Market is amazing. And the more people you can reach, the more people you can expose to this event. So is there is there a, um, a desire to go national with this? Like, So you mentioned something, Nick, about... It's a, it's a, like a PR push that we're putting together. So we're, we'll make an announcement soonish. We're still debating on when to do that. But that'll... that'll That'll bring some national recognition to the event. And, and is the desire to, to make this like kind of a, a, an annual thing where people travel from all over the country yeah. for this one? Are, I guess more to the point, are there other events like this across the nation? Yeah, they happen in D.C., they happen in Chicago. And I think the goal is, you know, Michigan is such this hotbed for spirits right now to have this super high caliber event in Michigan is totally the goal. I mean, Absolutely. I don't mind to talk at a school, but yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's got big visions for for the whiskey Dave has, experience. yeah, big experience for it. You know, he, he's traveled to the, all these events for years, and he wants to bring it to Michigan and expose all these people to these things. I attended D.C. last to, year. Yeah, yeah, right. And, um, again, I'm not a big whiskey or bourbon drinker, but I had a blast. I learned. I um, actually sampled mm-hmm. products and was pleasantly surprised. So for me to attend and have a great time, I'm, I also share my dad's vision and want to bring that to our event and to get people to attend who maybe aren't diehard fans but still want to learn and still um, get a little bit of education but also have a blast and, and you know, be downtown in the city. So, And plus, the foundation is really important to my dad. It's, yeah. it's, we're really trying to grow the foundation. We've done a few other events um, downtown to raise money as well, and those have been um, successful. So the foundation's really important. Okay, so the Luella M. Harden Foundation, yes. um, people can donate outside of going to the event, obviously. Is there a website that they can go to to do that? We're working on a website. Okay. Um, we don't have a website yet. We just have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, in terms of donating to the foundation, I I would say there we do accept found, uh, donations, but right now there's not a, a way to do it online if you reach out to butter run i'm sure there's Absolutely. something could be arranged yeah yes, yes. So you can come into the into the saloon or call. send us a message on facebook yeah. i monitor the both pages so okay so the once again whiskey experience april 20th april 20th 530 five thirty for vips okay they get all the best stuff 70 dollars for vip that seems like a steal it's significant discount from last year okay we're yes. trying to make it more accessible to everyone okay and then uh, regular old people that don't want to do VIP. Yep, regular. They have to be regular and old. Okay, and that comes at six thirty at <laughs> slash basic. It's an hour slash later, slash right? Basic, yes. yeah. Hour later, yep. An hour later. And there's just a few products they don't get access uh, access to. Okay, so yeah. Um, Butter Run is open Monday th- every day of the week. Yes, every day of the every week. Every day of the week. You open till what are we your open hours? at seven thirty a.m. Monday through. Friday. 7.30 a.m.? Yes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and we, we are busy. Now that's a whiskey bar. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we are open at 8 on Saturdays and Sundays. We have a brunch that we do Saturdays and Sundays with um, a special menu and Bloody Marys and mimosas and all that fun stuff. So. And you're open until 2 a.m. every night? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Those are some serious hours. We, we serious get a really hours. large um, hospital crowd, uh, mm-hmm. police and fire that will come in and do their happy hour in the morning after night shifts and do their staff parties. We get a lot of hospital birthday parties and going away parties at eight in the morning. <laughs> I, I've, I've now filmed a couple times out here. And every time I come in, I'm like, oh, it's going to be dead. I can set up my tripod and no, no problem. No, every time I come in here, this place is packed. 
It's driving me nuts. You come in at 4.30 in the morning when they're not open. That's what I need to do now. <laughs> uh, website for Butter Run? Um, it's www.butterrun.com. All right. And then um, we have our full whiskey list on the website, and you can actually log in and um, track your tastings. Oh, really? Yes. It's an extensive website with um, every single spirit that we have, um, the background, the notes, the, the tasting notes, um, and then you can track it and mark it off as you try it. So you've been open since 2012, yeah? Yes. Has anyone tried every spirit yet? Not that I know of. <sighs> no. Nick. No. Nick. Oh my gosh, no. Goals. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of marketing guy are you? Ah, <laughs> oh, seriously. Jeez. <laughs> We've had like seven now and I'm already going to fall asleep. <laughs> All right. Well, only 893 more to go. 